Well, would you turn with me, please, this evening to our master text that we've been looking at for the past few weeks in the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5. Let's uh, pray and release our faith before we read these scriptures. And you do understand now that our service from this point on is not just all up to me. Do you understand that? A lot of people don't, but it's not just all up to me. I've got my part. You've got your part. And the Holy Ghost has his part. And when we do our part, he always does his part. He's faithful. But what degree of revelation that comes out, how strong of an anointing is affected by our faith. And by my yieldedness and your yieldedness and by our expectation. Right? How many expect to be bored the rest of the service? Huh? And just kind of put in the time and hope I don't go too long. I mean, if all of us were persuaded of that, we just ought to quit now and leave. Right? But if there's more, there's something that God can give us in word and in spirit to equip us. To strengthen us, correct us, teach us, right? And we can hear from God. Do we hear from God when we get in his word, when we get in prayer, when we get in our services? Does he meet us? Does he talk to us? Then this is a wonderful thing. A holy, wonderful, great, great thing. So let's approach it that way. Father God, we come before you, all of us here together this evening, giving you thanks that you're our God And we are your children. Thank you for every good thing you've done for us. We all of us set our eyes on you. And we say, Lord, open our ears to hear you and our eyes to see you and our heart to receive. Let there come divine grace deposits and truth impartations. Revelation of truth that makes us free. Answer our questions. Give us direction. Show us exactly what we should be thinking about and how we should think and what we should say and do right now for you know best. And we yield to you the word we revere and love, your spirit we revere and love and yield to him tonight. Thank you, Lord. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but by your grace, we are and we shall be doers of the word in Jesus name to your glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. We're your people. This is your place. This is your service, Lord. And we're doers. Doers and not hearers only of the word of God. Praise God. Good. Good. Chapter 5 of Romans. For a few weeks now, I guess this is our fourth session. On the... uh, series that we're calling Reigning in Life. Reigning in Life. How many believe it's better to reign in life than to be run over in life? (laughs) Reigning bespeaks victory. How many believe it's better to be victorious in life than to be defeated? To be an overcomer rather than being overcome. To be a victor, not a victim. Right? Are we called to reign? Are we called to be victorious ones? We are. Now, if, you, uh, if you're not sure about some of these things, it could help you to get the tapes and recordings of the services that we've already done. Because we spent a, quite a bit of time going back to the beginning 
we saw that we were created to have dominion. We saw that man was given the earth. The Lord said, you know, the earth has he given to the children of men. And we saw that the enemy came and tempted and through sin, man gave up his dominion to the devil. And now 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls the devil the God of this world. And let's just read this and we'll, we'll expound further. In 2 Corinthians 5, we see how it happened. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 12. He says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. Death did what? Reigned. How did death reign? Was death reigning from the beginning? No. Who was reigning in the beginning? Adam. Man. Right? Why? Because God created everything and gave man dominion. Go back there and read it in the very first chapter. Read it. God created man and he gave them dominion over everything else that he had made. But then what happened? When did death start reigning? When sin came. If there had never been any sin, there would never have been any death. But because of sin, death reigned. Over from Adam all the way to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who's the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense is the free gift. If through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. And not as it was by one that sinned is the gift. For the judgment was by one man to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Who's that talking about? Is death supposed to reign over us? Is sin supposed to rule over us? Or are we supposed to reign in life because of the free gift of grace and righteousness? Hallelujah. Is what happened in Adam, the sin and the death that came, is that greater? Or is what happened in Jesus and the righteousness greater? Which one is greater? Oh, what happened in Jesus is far greater than what happened in Adam. And the life that's come through Jesus is far greater than the death that came through Adam's sin. Can you say amen? Amen. Do we have a glorious redemption? Do we have a complete redemption? Is there complete victory in what Jesus has done for us? Yes, 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 yes. The question is, are we living in it? Are we operating in the fullness of what's already been given us? Skip on down to verse 21. He said, as sin has reigned unto death, so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Listen to the Amplified. He says, by the free gift of righteousness, we could reign as kings in life. The English version, verse 17 says, we are freely put right with him and will rule in life. Rule where? In heaven when we get there? No, in life. Everybody said out loud, I reign in life. I I rule in life by the anointed one, Jesus. Now, you couldn't say that too much. We've got to get our mind renewed. So much of Christendom, so much of Christianity has been taught that, you know, we, we don't really have any victory down here, but we just hold on until we get to the other side. And you can expect to be trodden and, and run over and, and defeated and, and constantly, but you just got to keep a stiff upper lip and just hold out to the end because in the end there will be victory. But is there victory to the Christian in life? Huh? Is there victory to the Christian on this side? We talked about how dominion had been lost. And then we talked about how dominion was regained. Even though death ruled from Adam to Moses over those that had sinned. And not after Adam's dissimilitude of his transgression. But when Jesus came, did he rule and reign? I mean, he ruled over the wind and over the waves and over demons and over disease. And he did it as a man. Right? And then, having overcome death and hell and the grave, he stood up and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he immediately left. Why? He said, So you go into all the world and preach the gospel. You lay hands on the sick. You cast out. He must have given us that authority. Right? He said in John 14, 12, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he will do also. Right? Greater works than these because I go to my Father. So dominion was lost. But dominion's been regained. Who got it back for us? The man. Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, we talked last week about how kings rule and reign. How do kings rule and reign? Do you remember? With their words. Kings reign with their words. We went back and saw in Job. He said you'll decree a thing. And it'll be established to you. We saw in Ecclesiastes. He said where the word of a king is. There's power. Now let's go on and build on that this evening. Go to Matthew 16. Y'all are believing with me right? I I got a lot of things here on my notes. But uh, you know the main thing is how the Lord leads. In Matthew 16. Let's go further into how, you know, we talked about that we are kings and we do have authority, but we're talking now about how we reign. How do we do it? Well, first thing we've said is through your words. Do your words matter? Oh, my. You know, last week we touched on this, that uh, Jesus, you know, spoke to the fig tree. Did Jesus talk to trees? He spoke to fevers. He spoke to wind, waves. Well, what is that? See, God gave man dominion over all the creation to begin with. And Adam lost it, but Jesus has got it back. And he's operating in that dominion. And when he spoke to the fig tree, no man ate fruit of you hereafter forever. And before long it was dried up. And when the disciples saw it, they said, Lord, look how quickly the fig tree withered away. And in Matthew 21, he said to them, if you have faith and don't doubt, 
you will not only do this which is done to the fig tree. But if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt, you'll have what you say, like Mark says. Is he telling them they could have done this to the fig tree? He said it. And it's not implication. He said it in the, in the words are there. So he's not saying, I'm Jesus. I can do this because I'm the son of God. He did it. He said, if you have faith, you can do it. Right? Through words. Now, one thing that we ought to touch on, Mark eleven twenty three. just hold your place in Matthew and flip over there real quickly. A lot of you know it, but how many know all there is to know about Mark eleven twenty three? I hope you didn't raise your hand. There's always more light, much, much, much more light. How many believe there are things in this verse we've not seen, we've not understood? Well, what about the things you have seen out of it? Did it change your life? You believe you could see as much out of this verse, as much more as you've already seen? How much would your life be changed? Mark eleven twenty three. Well, verse 22, he said, you know, have faith in God. Or the margin, have the faith of God. What does verse 23 say? Help me out. Whoever says to the mountain, be removed. Now, let's just stop right here. Whoever does what? Is this prayer? Is this prayer? Are you asking God to do something about the mountain? No, you're not. You see, a lot of folk miss it here, don't they? A lot of people are praying when they should be saying. There's a time to pray. But how many understand that God's not in the mountain business? He's not in the business of putting mountain obstacles in your life. Some folk preach that he is, but they're wrong. It's the enemy who's trying to trip you up and stop you. It's the enemy who's in the mountain building business. The Lord didn't put that mountain there. And what did he tell us to do if there's a mountain of problem in our life? He told us to do something about it. Right? Well, if you're begging, oh, please, God, make the mountain leave. Please, God, make the... You're not doing what he told us to do. He told us to look at the thing. And say, be removed. Amen. Right? In G- He's telling us to rule and reign. That's right. Now what did he say? If you'll say to the mountain, be removed. Be cast in the sea. Not doubt in your heart. But what? Believe, Believe what? Believe. Believe that those things that you said will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. What must you believe? Well, brother, I believe God is able. Well, that's great. But that's not what he said believe. Well, I believe God is willing. That's wonderful. But that's not what he said. I believe God can do it. Well, I just believe that when God gets ready in his own good time and his own. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. What did he say? You must believe what? Believe that what God says will come to pass. No. Come on, I didn't write this. Who said this? Do you think he said it the way it should have been said? You know he did. What did he say you must believe? You must believe what you say. Right? Now here's a whole other segment of this. To rule and reign, you cannot be a liar. Your words must be words of integrity. 
Because you must not only believe what God has said, what else must you believe? You must believe what you say. Right? And if your own heart knows that the last three things you said were not right, and now you get ready to release faith speaking at this mountain where you've got your heart confused. You must operate to where everything you say is a word of integrity to the best of your knowledge and understanding. Did you hear me now? Now, if you've lied, repent. Ask God to forgive you. But you must stop being a liar to save yourself or somebody who shades the truth or whatever. If it's something on the job that puts you on the spot. How many understand? If you did it, you know, it's interesting. I've got, I know friends of mine that are business owners. We've had a number of people work under us for years. And sometimes if something goes wrong and you ask somebody, what happened? And everybody just looks at each other. Well, now somebody did it. Somebody messed up. But did you do it? Well, no. Did you do it? Uh Uh-huh. And nobody did it. And yet it happened. And then people get concerned about their, you know, their favor or their position even or whatever. And people will just flat lie. Christians. Just flat lie. But see, here's the big issue. The thing is, you have undermined the integrity of your own word. What if you need to use your faith tonight? What if something comes up and you really need to stand and speak to it, that it to be changed? You've compromised the power of your words. No, friend, if you burnt the house down, just tell it. Who did it? I did it. Why'd you do it? Dumb, just messed up. No excuses. Did you hear me? No excuses. Take responsibility. You might think I'm just talking from the standpoint of an employer or something. I'm not. I don't have anybody in mind. But 1 John 1, 9, who knows what that says? If you what? If you'll confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This all happens if what? If you what? If you say, well, I don't know, some folk think it's not right, but some people do. And you know, the thing is, so-and-so didn't help me, because if they'd have helped me, I'd have been okay. And it was just so big, it just overwhelmed me. Are you confessing sin? No. No. Then you don't qualify to be forgiven and cleansed. Didn't just say if you'd ask God to forgive you, if you'd do what? If you'd confess Your sin, what do you do? You call sin, sin. You said, I did it, it's wrong. I ask you to forgive me. And see, a lot of people just, they don't make progress like they should because they play with stuff. And they play games and they're always making excuses and always trying to, you know, put the blame on somebody else. You cannot make progress like that. You'll not be a man or woman of faith like that. You got to be somebody whose word has integrity. Amen. Who takes responsibility for their actions. And if you miss it. You say you missed it. And you deal with it properly. And you you say God I'm sorry. I did that. And I judge that. That's sin. That's wrong. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Now what did he say? He's faithful. He's just. You're not playing. He knows your heart. Right? And he'll forgive you. And he'll cleanse you. 
But you can't go around and, you know, make excuses and act like you don't even have to know if you did anything wrong or not. That's not going to cut it. That's not what he said to do. In order to rule and reign, you do so with your words. In order for your words to have power, your word must be a word of integrity. When you say something, to the best of your knowledge, it's true. You don't say it if you don't mean it. And you mean what you say. And you say what you mean. And to the best of your ability, you do what you say. You're a person of your word. Cannot be a person of faith if you're not a person of your word. Now, we may camp on that and and deal with that some more later. But go on now, please, to where you're holding your place in Matthew 16. This is what you use your words to do. As a king reigning in life by Christ Jesus. Matthew 16. Everybody happy? (laughs) As we grow as a family. I know some of you don't know it, but you know, I've been in the ministry for a number of years before this church. And I was always in another type of ministry, the prophetic type of ministry. And I'd go into other churches and get revelation. And we're all growing as a family. But as we grow, how many believe the Lord will turn up the anointing for us? And revelation. Revelation will come. Don't get concerned if I look at you and I describe exactly what's going on with you. (laughs) Don't go, oh, he knows everything. No, I don't. No, I don't. Just smile and look straight ahead and go, amen, Brother Keith. Somebody needs to hear that. And just be real cool, right? Just stay cool. And if you need to, when you get home, you fall across the bed and go, oh, God, that was me. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me and get it straight. But a lot of stuff I don't need to know. Uh, I've told you this. This happens to me all the time when I go out on the road. I was at a place a while back, and um, I don't mean one time, but scores and scores of times after the service, the pastor looked at me and go, oh, Brother Keith, I'm so glad I didn't tell you this or that. He said, do you know what you did? You stood right in front of that man, and you put your hand on his shoulder, and you described the whole, well, a lot of it I didn't know. Don't have to know. I don't want to know all of it. A lot of stuff I don't want to know. I like being happy. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost will use us. Right? And he's not interested in embarrassing somebody or making somebody look bad or making somebody feel bad. What's he interested in? People getting right. Getting it straight. And how many know he knows everything? He knows everything about everything. Not too long ago I was at a place and the pastor told me, he said, because I went into this long spill about business and even cars and deals, and even selling cars, and, and not lying, and, and all that kind of stuff. He said, did you know who you had your hand on? I said, he said, the owner of one of the biggest car dealerships around <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Lord knows. He's faithful. And so what I'm saying, let's believe God together for an increase, right, of this kind of ministry. Now, let me tell you what you don't do. You don't sit there and go, Lord, minister to me. Minister to me. Don't do that. Say, Lord, minister to whoever needs it the most. I know that required a little adjustment because some folk were beginning to say that. Well, Lord, how about me? No, say it out loud, Lord. Lord, 
Minister to whoever needs it. Right. Amen. Don't focus on yourself. See, faith works by love, and love wants the other guy helped. Right? And you'll find out as your heart's like that, things come to you. As you sow, then here it comes the reaping. Well, do you have your scripture? Matthew 16, is that right? What are we talking about? We're talking about reigning in life through our words. And then this is a further application of how we use our words. Matthew 16 and verse 18. Peter had said by the Holy Ghost that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Revelation. Verse 17, Jesus said, you know, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. The father did. Is the father still in the revealing business? Showing us what we need to see. And he said, and I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, not on Peter, on the rock of the revelation that he's the Christ. I'll build my church. How many know the church is not built on Peter? Or Peter's descendants? Right? No, no. It's built on Jesus. Who is the foundation? Who is the stone that the builders rejected? It's Jesus. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom, didn't he? Kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. What is a kingdom? We went into that. Kingdom is where the influence or the scope of the king's rule. And we're talking about ruling and reigning. And wherever the king has his rule and his reign, then the king's will is done. And we're talking about the kingdom of God. Are you and I in the kingdom of God? And the kingdom's in us. Why? We have submitted our life to the lordship of Jesus. We're saying, Lord, rule over us. Reign over us, right? But so many in the world have not. They are their own Lord. They are their own king. I don't want to be my own king. Hmm? People say, well, religion is just a crutch for the weak. No, it's the ignorant who don't go to Jesus. Who think they can do it on their own. Aren't you glad the Lord's helped us to have enough sense to realize we needed help? Right? No, you don't know enough. You I don't care how much education you get or how much money you get or what kind of connections. You will never know enough or have enough or be strong enough to run your own life successfully. Thank God. He's our Lord. Say it out loud. Jesus is my Lord. He reigns in my life. And you see, you and I are supposed to reign under him. He's the king of kings. We are some of the kings he's king of. Well, in Matthew 16, he said, I'll give to you the keys of the what? Kingdom of heaven. What are these keys? Whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Is there a connection between what we do down here and what happens in heaven or from heaven? 
Is there a connection? Now see, a lot of people will tell us no. They'll tell us God is sovereign and he does what he wants to, when he wants to, whether we think so or don't, or whether we cooperate or don't. But that's simply not true. I said, that's simply not true. So many things that happen on the earth are not the will of God. So much terrible destruction. How many believe sin is not the will of God? Then all the results of sin is not the will of God. Then why does the Lord let it happen? That's a big question that people just, I mean, just struggle over and figure there's no answer to. Why, if God's a good God, if God's love, why does he let all this stuff happen? We've already talked about that. God has given man a free will. And when he gives you something, he gives you something. You can use it right or you can use it wrong. And all of the suffering and all of the tragedy that's in the earth today is because man has a free will and man has chosen wrongly. And why has he allowed it? He's allowed it because we've allowed it. Man has allowed it through his sin, through his disobedience, through his unbelief, through his perversion. How many understand the earth, the world, would be a completely different place if everybody was saved and loved God and obeyed God? Would it be a different place? (laughs) How many understand soon and very soon, that's how it's going to be. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord. Outwardly manifest. But in the meantime... He only rules in the lives of those who yield themselves to him and submit themselves to him. And a lot of other stuff that is not his will, he allows. Why? Because man allows it. And he allows to a large degree, he allows from heaven to happen on the earth what man in the earth allows. But he said, I give you the keys. How many believe this is important? When the Lord says, I'm giving you the keys To ruling and reigning in the kingdom. What? What are they? Whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. And in just a few verses later, he said it again. Flip over to the 18th chapter. How many understand when something's repeated again and again, it's for emphasis. It's so important. Matthew 18 and 18. Jesus said, verily, another word for emphasis and how that you, this is sure, this is the way it is and no other way. Verily, I say to you, whatsoever, who? Who? Whatever you bind shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Heaven, again I say to you, that if two of you shall agree, where? Where? Did Jesus say these are the keys to the kingdom? And why is he making the emphasis? The emphasis is that God, like one fellow said many years ago, actually founder of the Methodist organization, and you see a similar phrase among the founder of the Wesleyans, it seems God is limited by our prayer life. That he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks him to. Is God limited in the earth? 
in people's lives by what they do or don't do? Many would tell you, no, God is God. He can do what he wants to when he wants to. Well, the psalmist said concerning the Israelites that God brought out of Egyptian bondage, it said they turned, Psalm 107, they turned and limited God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Can you limit God? Well, not universally, but in your life, you can limit him by your unbelief and by your refusal to believe or refusal to obey. Many have not believed this, but it's a Bible fact. And if we're not, why does he put so much emphasis about what you do on the earth? Why even have this in it? If God is just going to do whatever he wants to in the earth, when he wants to, no matter what man thinks or believes or doesn't think, why say things like this? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Listen to another translation, how it's worded. Some say, well, I don't know about that. Well, don't take my word for it. And don't quit till you get it settled. Take this verse before the Lord. Say, Lord, show me what this means. If you don't feel like you understand it. Because if this are the keys to the kingdom of God, it's something we ought to know. Right? It's something we ought to understand. In the, let's see, the New Living Translation. He said, I tell you this, Jesus is speaking, whatever you prohibit on earth is prohibited in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. The English version says a similar thing. He said, I, so I tell all of you, what you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven and what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Over in the book of Daniel, the angel said to Daniel that certain things were going to happen in uh, the king's life there until he knew that the heavens do rule. And the heavens do rule. But it is not completely independent from us. Are you with me now? Did he say that heaven permits what we permit? Let's read it again real carefully. Make sure we're reading it right. Who's talking here? Is he right? Certainly. I don't care what your religious mind tells you. I don't care what sermons you've ever heard anybody else teach or preach. Jesus is right. Say it out loud. Jesus is right. What did he say? He said. Read it out loud with me. Verse 18. Verily I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be. And I should stop right there. Some people try to say, well, no, what you're able to do is because God has already predestined it and ordained it. And they still try to take it out of anything out of our hands. But what did Jesus say? You bind it on the earth, and what? Shall be bound. We don't have any authority to change the Bible now, right? What did he say first? Binding things on earth. That's what he said first. And then what? Shall be bound in heaven. 
Many people haven't believed this. They haven't looked at this. They haven't wanted to acknowledge it. People love what I call no-fault religion. What do you mean, Brother Keith? No matter what happens, it's not my fault. And no matter what doesn't happen, it's not my fault. God is God. And in His sovereignty, He chooses everything for us. Isn't Christendom full of this kind of mentality? And you hear people say, oh, well, God's in control. And the implication is he's in control of everything. Everybody's will, everybody's decisions, everybody's deeds, everything that happens, everything that doesn't happen. God chose for it to be that way and caused it to be that way. That is not what the Bible teaches. Even from the beginning, the Lord gave the people his truth. And he said, I'm setting before you this day. Life or death. Blessing or cursing. You choose. From the garden, it's been that way. Well, if you choose death, does that mean God chose it for you? If you choose curse, does that mean it was God's perfect will and he had ordained you from the beginning to be cursed? No. You had an option. You had a choice. Said out loud, I always have a choice. You always have a choice. People say, what about eternal security? You believe once saved, always saved? I believe you always have a choice. I know you always have a choice. The angels in heaven had a choice. The devil had a choice. Right? What about once saved, always saved? As long as you want to be saved, you are eternally secure. As long as you believe in the Lord and stay with Him, you are eternally secure. But I could, on the way home tonight, I could decide I'm going to, you know, act stupid and I'm going to run away from God and I'm going to be a liar and I'm going to be a thief and I'm going to be a whoremonger or whatever. I could do it. You could do it. We'd be dumb to do it. Right? But you, you have a free will. I have a free will. I'm going to stay with the Lord. He's been good to me. (laughs) I'm going to stay with him. Right? I'm convinced there's nothing out in the world, the big wide world of sin that I'm missing. I do not lay awake at night thinking, wonder what I'm missing out there. (laughs) I like where I'm at. I like being in the ministry. I like being married to Phyllis. I like having the church family here. I like where I'm at. I have the sense every day that I'm in the center of the palm of God's hand and plan for me. And that's where I intend to stay the rest of my life till he comes. Because outside of there, it's not anything you want to find out about. Outside of there is curse, death, destruction. How many understand outside of the perfect will of God is not blessing? And a few minutes or a few days of physical pleasure is not worth throwing away soul satisfaction and God being pleased with you and your honor, right? And your fruitfulness and your eternal reward. No, no, no. I have a free choice. I could choose to leave God today. But I choose to stay. I said, I choose to stay. I choose to stay with him forever. 
That's my choice. How about yours? Well, when we make choices in the earth, does it affect heaven? Does what we choose to permit or not allow, does that affect what heaven allows or doesn't allow? Millions of Christians don't believe this, but I believe Jesus. I believe what he said. And there's evidence, this is not, you know, you don't build a doctrine on one verse of scripture, or we've already seen two out of the mouth of Jesus, but you see it demonstrated in Jesus' life, you see it demonstrated in the book of Acts, we're going to take time, we're going to go to some of these. But I believe it's God's will for us to rule and reign, like he said. We're going to do it through our words, which means we must learn that there are some things we say, no, I don't allow that in my life. I don't allow that in the area that I have control over. Or yes, I do allow this. How many think we ought to be open and say, please God, move in our midst. We allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. Oh yeah. Do we allow the word of God to be preached? Yeah. How many understand there are a lot of people who don't? There are whole nations who don't permit the preaching of the gospel publicly. They don't permit public confession of faith. Well, is it that way in that country? Is the Lord letting it be that way? I said letting it. Is he allowing it? He must be. That's the way it is. Is that his will? Certainly not. But is he allowing it? Why is he allowing it? They have forbidden it in their country. And so he has allowed from heaven what they are allowing in the earth. Hallelujah. Well, let's catch our breath just a minute. I know this may be new to some folks. But it is the Word of God. And it is the will of God. And again, don't take my word for it. Don't say, well, I don't know if I agree with what Brother Keith said. It ain't about me and you. It's about you and the Lord. It's about what you do with what he said. Right? Don't make it a me and you issue. Don't make it a you and Faith Life Church issue. It's you and the Lord. You get with him with the Scripture. Say, Lord, tell me what this means. But you know, he always speaks real plain. He says what he means. And he means what he says. Say it out loud once again. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now go with me, if you would, over to the book of Mark. And the third chapter. Mark 3. He said, uh, I'm going to read it to you again. Whatever you prohibit on earth is prohibited in heaven. Whatever you allow or permit on earth is allowed or permitted in heaven. (laughs) We kicked some sacred cows tonight. (laughs) I'm not concerned about respecting traditions, though. I want to respect the Lord's words. Right? And you know what the problem is? The problem is, like Jesus said, it's just as much that way today as it was when he said it. People have made the word of God of none effect by their traditions. They say, well, no, 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 I don't believe that. You don't believe what? (laughs) What don't you believe? Well, I just believe that God is sovereign. Now, hold on. Whoa, whoa. What don't you believe? We just got through reading. What scripture are you quoting now? 
Jesus said, I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And if two of you own the earth. So I guess this don't work on Jupiter or Mars. or Huh? And this is not for folks already in heaven. This is for where? Two of you on the earth ask as touching anything. Agree, excuse me, as touching anything they ask, it'll be done for them of my Father, which is where? He's in heaven. Can you see what he's saying? Earth and heaven. Earth and heaven. Is there a connection? Hmm? Does God in heaven just do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to in the earth, independent of what we decide to do? No. No. Now, in Mark, the third chapter, notice how this operates, too. Jesus said, Mark 3, Mark 3, and 22. Jesus had cast some spirits out of people, and they were healed in verse 15. And in verse 22, Mark 3, 22, the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub. Who are they talking about? Jesus. So if they say you're in error and they talk about you, you're in good company. They accused Jesus of being demon-possessed. They accused him of being a cult leader and leading people off into error. And if they said that about him, don't be surprised if they said it about you. He has Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils he cast out devils. And he called them to him. And he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a what? A kingdom. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is the scope and domain and influence of a king. It is the scope wherever he rules. If a kingdom be divided, be what? Divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Who is the perpetrator of division? Not God. The enemy. How many believe that division is a big tool of the enemy? I mean, oh, is he always trying to divide God's people? Trying to divide husbands and wives. Trying to divide churches. Always trying to split up. Divide. Separate. Why? Well, we can see it right here. Why? When something's divided, what happens? It can't stand. It can't continue. That's why the Bible talks about the unity of the faith. We're strong when we're together. Right? I said, we're strong when we're together. I mean, the book of Acts, you read, they were in one place. In what? One accord. They were thinking the same things. They were speaking the same things. They were praying the same things. They were believing for the same things. And what we see, great manifestations of God's power. The Holy Ghost fell, filled them. Manifestations, miracles. Is unity a key of this? Is it part of this? Yes. So then what's the enemy going to try to do? One thing is leaders that Phyllis and I and our staff have a responsibility to do is to watch against the wolf trying to splinter. 
trying to deceive. I had some folk that came the very first week of the church. Them and some other people, this was actually happening with several different people at the same time, wanted me to do things certain ways. And uh, I wanted to be open, but to the leading of the Lord, not just people's ideas. And time after time, I had to tell people, no, no. I said it nice, no, no, I'm sorry, but no, no. And some of the same people, I'd tell them repeatedly, no, no, and again, no. No. Finally, one person said, well, surely you're going to let us do this? I said, no. I'm sorry, no. And they all left. But they didn't know what the Lord told me. I had received strict instructions just days before. I wasn't expecting it. But the Lord, I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but in my spirit, real strong, he asked me a question. He said, Keith, if you're always giving in to other people, Who's leading this place? Well, he asked me a question. I said, well, it wouldn't be me. He said, if I'd have wanted somebody else to be leading this, I'd have put them here. And see, it's a tactic of the enemy to get a a church or a group or a ministry with a hundred different visions going a hundred different directions. Hmm? And splintered. And what? Divided. Because if it's divided, it cannot grow. It won't increase. you got everybody doing their own thing. Right? And that's not how we become strong. That's not how we get a job done. Everybody trying to push their own thing. No. Find where God told you to be. Fine, if it's not here, fine. We know we're not the only thing going on. But whatever he told you to do, get in there and hook. And say the same thing. Believe the same thing. Right? How many can see just in a few months, we're all saying, paid in full. Is it happening? Right? Paid in full. And for months we've been saying, we're taking this word out to the world. We're taking it outside these walls, right? We're going to use these mediums of TV. Is it happening? I mean, we're this close to having our first huge step. It's right here, right? But you notice we don't get up and tell something different every service. And we don't let somebody else come up and tell their version and their vision something different every time. Right? Everybody say unity. Unity, one vision, one heart, one mind, one mouth. There's power in that. I said there's power. And not Brother Keith's vision, the Lord's vision. The Lord's vision. What's he saying? And it's our job to pray and get that and hear that. And you know it when you hear it. When we share it and it's the vision from the Lord, you know it. It bears witness for your spirit. On the inside of you, you go, yep, 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 that's it, that's it. And you'd know it if it wasn't it. But he said in Mark 3, if a kingdom, verse 24, be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house, is that true concerning a house, a family? Be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. How many heads is a household supposed to have? Hmm? How many heads does the body of Christ have? 
One. How many heads is the local church supposed to have? How many heads is the household supposed to have? One. I know it's not popular. I know it's not politically correct. But it's the Bible. And it's the only way things grow and develop like they're supposed to. Two people can't lead two different directions. All they do is pull on each other and stay in the same place. (laughs) Okay. Can two people lead at the same time? No, they can't. All they do is pull on each other and what? Stay in the same place. That answers some questions for some folks tonight. There's some people here, you're really in the same place that you were 10 years ago spiritually. And you must acknowledge who your head is and yield to him. Submit to him. Jesus is my head. I'm not my own head. Right? I yield to him. In this church, under the Lord, I'm the head. No question about it. Who's your head? Who's your head in your household? Who's your head in the local assembly? Who's your head in the church? You don't need to be thinking about it. You need to know. You ought to be able to answer that question just like that. And you know. Because if not, you've got breeding ground for division. Right? People vying for position. Right? Twelve different visions going twelve different directions. And when you do, what did Jesus say would happen? The family, the kingdom, whatever. Little, from the smallest application to the biggest application, it will fall. It'll fall. It won't make it. We're going to make it. Huh? Long as the Lord wants Faith Life Church here, we're going to make it. We're going to be strong. How about your family? Huh? Going to be strong. Right? He said... If Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. Division destroys on every hand. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first what? Bind. Are these part of the keys to the kingdom? Bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Are the keys to the kingdom that we pray and beg God to bind the strong man? Or did he tell us whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven? Now, go with me please over further in the New Testament to the book of uh, James. James chapter 4. I really appreciate the Lord letting us get into these things. Because these are some of the issues sometimes that people don't deal with, they don't want to deal with. And you'll see further in just a minute why I'm saying this. But, you know, who wants to be in the dark and not get results? No, if I'm wrong, I want to know it so I can get it fixed. You ever been wrong before? How many has ever been wrong before? Let me see. 
Or have there been some areas where you were wrong and the Lord helped you and you saw it and you changed it and you got it fixed and then things that weren't working begin to work. Now, friend, that's fun. I said, that's fun. Oh, that's glorious. That's why I say, Lord, show me. Please help me, man. If I'm wrong, show me. And I'll, I'll admit it. I'll acknowledge it. Right? There are reasons why people's prayers are not answered. The reasons why their confessions don't come to pass. The reasons why people struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and years later they're no better off than they were. That's not the will of God. That's not right. And it's not God's fault. That's why we're delving into it. That's why we're camping on it. We are supposed to be ruling and reigning. We're supposed to have victory in life. And we're going to look at the scriptures and the Lord's helping us right now. We're going to make adjustments as we go, right? We can adjust, adjust, adjust. So that we're no longer defeated in an area, but we begin to rule and reign in the very area we previously were defeated in. Are you there in James? Thank you, Lord, for helping us. James chapter 4. James 4. He began, you know, earlier in the chapter in verse 2, he said, you have not because you ask not. And down in verse 6, he says, he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Now, let's just stop right here. How about our text? Did you remember our text? I guess not. Stay right where you are. Let me read it to you again. In Romans 5, 17, he said, They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. How are we going to reign in life? By grace and righteousness. Who gets the grace? Let's back up. Who's going to reign in life? People Who are operating in grace. Who gets the grace? The humble. Do the proud. Do they rule and reign? Why wouldn't they? They don't get the grace. Right? What do they get? Resisted of God. Now that's a bad place to be in. I know uh, before. we, Before we ever went to Bible school. Before we ever got into ministry. As a teenager. When I first began to get serious about the Lord, I began to get hungry for God. Didn't know the Word, didn't know the Bible. I was born again, but that's it. I began reading the Scripture. I started in Genesis. And I finally made it a little ways into the Scripture. And I got to the passage that said, Now the man Moses was meek above all the men on the face of the earth. And I had one of the strongest, up till that time, manifestations of God communicating with me that I had had. I don't mean I heard a voice, didn't see anything, but man in my heart, real strong, the Lord spoke to me and he asked me, he said, did you notice, son, that Moses was the meekest man, most humble man in his generation? I thought, yeah, yeah, I saw that. He said, did you also realize That Moses was the most used man of me 
in his generation. I wrote it down. I sat there and just kind of shook a little bit in the presence of God. Man, that word's burned in my heart like a brand. So I began to pursue to find out at the age of about 16, what is humility? What is it? And year after year, I found out a bunch of stuff it was not. A lot of what people call humility is spiritual pride. They're actually proud of how humble they are. (laughs) You delve into it, you'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, but friend, if you want to be used of God, there is no other way. It is only by grace. How many understand every good thing and every great thing that you've ever heard or seen, you know, somebody doing in the work of God, do you not believe it was by grace? Hmm, that was a little weak. Was it by grace? Why are you and I here tonight? It's by grace. It's by grace. Everything that's happened in this short period of time with us, by the grace of God. Grace of God. Not only would it not be polite to try to take the credit, it'd be a lie for you or me to try to take the credit. It'd be a lie. So when we say, well, you know, it wasn't us that did it, the Lord did it, that's not just trying to be humble, that's just true. It's just a fact. And true humility is rooted in reality and truth. But he said, keep reading there, he said, God resists the proud. But the humble, he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, what? Submit yourselves to God. I understand that's one of the biggest applications of the humility. That you submit yourself to God. And then what? Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. From who? From who? You. Who resisted him? You did. But what came first? Very significant now. Resisting the devil and him fleeing from you. How many understand that sounds like ruling and reigning? Some situation in your life and the enemy's doing something and you say stop. Stop it now in Jesus name and it stops. That's ruling and reigning. Right? The enemy was doing something, and you said, I do not allow this. I forbid this. Another way of saying, I bind it up. I bind it up, and I shut it down in Jesus' name. And it stops. Friend, that's ruling and reigning. Right? Did Jesus do that? Oh, he did. He told devils, shut up and get out of them now. Don't come back. And they obeyed him. Right? Winds and waves, peace. Be still, be calm. And they obeyed him. How many understand what happened before that? Was he, prior to this, completely yielded to the Father God? Completely submissive to the Father God? Yes, 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 yes. What did it say? Submit yourselves to God. Then what? Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. What comes first? 
submission to God. Now, in the beginning, Adam and Eve were ruling and reigning. But then it changed. They went from ruling and reigning to the enemy and death ruling over them. Is that right? Now, friends, stay with me real sharp. How many remember the passage Jesus talked about where the word came and it fell on ground and the enemy came and stole it away before it ever got in? You especially have to watch for that kind of thing toward the end of a service. You do. Said out loud, nobody steals my word. Good. In the beginning, Adam and Eve ruling and reigning. The devil's on the outside looking in. And then it changed. It completely reversed. Now he's ruling over them. When did it happen? When? Sin is right. But but what happened when they sinned? Oh, are you seeing it now? They stopped submitting to the Lord. Because if they'd have been submitting to him, he told them don't do it. Right? And in stopping submitting to him, what they begin to do now? They turned around. And the enemy is saying, do this because you'll be like this. So they quit submitting to God and they submitted to the enemy. And the moment they submitted to the enemy, he began to rule over them. You can't yield to the enemy and reign and rule over the enemy. That's why the enemy works so hard to get us into sin. It's not just so he can say, goody, goody, see there, I got you. There's much more to it than that. What does he want to do? He wants us, you and me and every human on the planet, under his thumb. Under his, He wants to rule and control this place inside and out. And sadly, he's doing it in a lot of places. Not at my house. Not at our house. Not at our church. Right? How can we be different? We submit to God, which means what? We don't submit to Him. We don't give place to it. That's what Jesus said, excuse me, the Holy Ghost through Paul in Ephesians. Neither give place to the devil. Don't do it. Don't do it. Why? Oh, this is so big. I'm doing the best I know. Jesus, the Holy Ghost came on Him. Bodily shape and form as a dove. He's anointed with the Holy Ghost and power like the access to go about doing good and healing. Immediately he went out in the wilderness. He was tempted. What's going on? Tempted for what? The enemy sees all this power on him. All this anointing. He is scared of that. Why? What does the anointing do? It removes burdens. Whose burdens? His. It destroys yokes. Whose yokes? His. He can work for 40 years getting a yoke good and heavy and tight on somebody. And the anointing can disintegrate it in a moment of time. You talk about messing up the devil's business. The anointing does it. Oh, he's scared of it. He's scared of the anointing. And he sees, the Bible says, the Spirit came on Jesus without measure. 
When he walked the earth, he was the body of Christ. He was the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. All rolled in. Had all the ministries, all the anointings on. The devil saw all that and he was scared spitless. So what did he do? What does he immediately begin to do? Same thing he did with Adam. Right? Try to get him to yield to him. I mean, at one point, he even came right out and said it, didn't he? If you'll bow down here, submit to me, yield to me. What did Jesus say? You get out of my face. Get behind me. It's written, you worship the Lord your God and him only shall you worship. What's another way to say? I'm going to submit to him and yield to him only. What did the Bible say? The devil had to leave him for a season. Ran out of gas. Didn't know what else to do. And the Bible said Jesus came out in the power of the Spirit. And he walked into the synagogue and demons said, Ooh, we know. He said, shut up. Leave. What's he doing? Ruling, reigning. Ruling, reigning. Be healed. Be free. Stop now. What if he had yielded in the wilderness? What if he'd given in to the enemy? Would he have come out and ruled and reigned like that? No. What about me and you? Can we yield to the enemy and rule and reign over it? No. 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 Nope. How many remember uh, Samson? Hmm? God's deliverer. Man, God did some kind of things with him in physical strength. People say, well, boy, Samson must have been a giant. He wouldn't have had to be. The Bible didn't say he was bigger than any man. In fact, it talks about giants being a whole lot bigger than him. It wasn't because his arms were so big. He might have been a big boy. I don't know. But I don't care how big a boy you are. You don't do the stuff he did. Right? (laughs) He walks up to city gates. It would have took a couple of bulldozers to move them. He grabs hold of them. (sighs) Pulls the posts out of the ground. Lays him on his shoulder. I mean, he would have looked like an ant up under him. And didn't just throw him down. Toted him halfway up a hill. How? Anointing. Anointing. But what began to happen? The enemy. Through Delilah. What's your secret? Oh, come on. Now you got to tell me. What else is happening here? Yield to me. Give me the place. Yield to me. And eventually he did. And what happened? Could he continue to rule and reign over him? He lost his anointing. Why? Because first of all, he's yielding to the enemy by even being there with her. Right? Doing something the Lord specifically told him not to do. What's the motto of that story? You can't. Fight Philistines in the daytime and sleep with them at night. You got to make up your mind. You're either supposed to be fighting Philistines or sleeping with them, but not both. Right? Now, I said that for a reason. How many understand you can't resist the devil on Sunday and yield to the devil Sunday night? Doesn't work. Doesn't work. This is why so many people are defeated in their life. 
The devil tries to tell them, you have no authority. You don't have any power. You can't rule and reign. It's not up to you. Yes, we do. But the prerequisite for operating in this is that you must first submit yourself to God. Then, if you do that, you're not submitting to the devil. How many stand submitting to God all the time? You will not be submitting to the devil. Then, when the devil shows up, rears up his head, some sickness and disease in your child's life, some problem in your finances, something going on, you're not yielding to him. Like Jesus said, he has nothing in me. Then you look at him, you say, you shut up, you stop now. Stop, not in my house, not in my baby's life, you don't. No, you don't. I shut you down. I bind you up. I do not permit this. And what did the Lord say? I'm backing you from heaven. You bound it on the earth, and I'm going to say, yep, and I bind it from here, and that's it. Right? He backs you. Oh, do you see that? Ooh, glory to God. Well, if that don't stir you up, something's wrong with you now. When the Almighty says, yeah, they bind it. There, I bind it here, and it is bound. They loosed it there, I loose it here, and it is loosed. But do you see, nothing happened in heaven until something first happened on earth. Did you get the language? Go back there, read it again. I'll leave you with that verse fresh in your mind. Matthew 18. Theologians have tried to make it say something else. People have tried to twist it around. Because they love no-fault religion. But I tell you what I love. God. And seeing his results in our life. Being free from the junk of the enemy. That's what I love. You with me on that? Matthew 18th chapter. Back in 1619, you remember he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom Of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He said it again, Matthew 18, 18. What did he say? Verily, I say to you, whatsoever. Man, that covers a lot of ground. Doesn't it? What does that cover? Whatever. Whatsoever. What's the next word? You shall bind on earth. Shall be. What happened first? You bind something on the earth. Shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth. Shall be loosed in heaven. What happened first? Us. Doing something in the earth. Right? If it was the other way around. He'd have said it the other way around. Wouldn't he? Couldn't he have said it another way? Couldn't he have said, I loose it in heaven, and then you get to loose it on the earth? If that's the way it is, why didn't he say it? I believe he said it the way he meant to say it. He's right. Men are wrong. Right? I'm going to stay with him. I'm going to hook up with him. And reading it this way, I understand I've got to do something on the earth. Right? I've got to speak up. I've got to bind. I've got to loose. I've got to shut down. Something the enemy's doing that shouldn't be happening. I've got to open my heart and my life for the Lord to move. Right? Thanks be unto God. We have the keys. I said we have the keys. We got the keys. 
If it's good, what do you do? Loose her and let her go. Right? (laughs) Say, Lord, oh, we want it. We're saying, please, we're inviting you. Right? How many understand the Holy Ghost is not loosed in all churches and in all services? He's not. But if it's the enemy, we shut it down. Bind it up and shut it. It ought to be a regular thing in life from you. Day to day, you don't do it every breath, but day to day and week to week, something comes up and you realize that's the enemy. That's the enemy trying to do something and you just stop. I don't care if you're sitting in your car. Stand, you just, under your breath, you don't have to yell and scream. You just say, no, you don't. No, you don't. In Jesus' name, I shut you down. I bind you up. I don't permit this. I forbid this in Jesus' name. And you expect it to happen. You expect what you say to come to pass. Can we do this? Are we called to it? Can we rule and reign in life by Christ Jesus? Stop yielding to the enemy. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.